<coughs> well, good evening. Just doing a <coughs> quick one of some coughing. No, <coughs> need some more coughing for you. Doing a little one here, and um, must say I've been experimenting with some different microphones and using an iPhone. And I bought a, um, I bought a, uh, a special cord. Turns out it's the cord. All right, but it doesn't have another adapter which gives you access to um, to power. So I can't use the other recording device that I was going to, which is a pity. But never mind. So it's been a you know pretty eventful last few weeks for everybody. I'm here in New Zealand, as you know, and tonight or this afternoon, late evening, I went and saw No Time to Die. The latest James Bond movie, which has um, taken years, literally years, to come out because of COVID and mainly because of that. And I went and saw it with no expectations. Now, the good thing about what I've done in the last two years is avoid every single thing I can find that pops up about the movie. So for the very first time in a long time, I went and saw a movie, a Bond movie, that I knew absolutely nothing about. And I'm so glad I did. So if you guys haven't, <clears throat> who are listening, haven't seen the movie, then probably switch off now. I might give you some spoilers, accidentally or deliberately that will ruin your experience. So if you've seen the movie, ears on. Haven't seen the movie? Good night, nurse, and uh, we'll see you on another podcast or hear you on another podcast. Yeah, next week I'm planning to do a few more podcasts. I've got to get my act together with this podcast stuff. I really want to be interviewing more people and stuff like that. I don't really know how to do it with the equipment that I have because I bought stuff, uh, well, not just for a podcast, but for other stuff, I must admit. And I had all these expectations of pushing the button, uh, just figuring out a few people, giving them a yell, and Bob's your uncle, but it's not going to be like that. So let's stick with the things that we know at this particular stage. And um, if you're into <clears throat> if you're into podcasts about different things and, and talking to uh, different interesting people, then do come back, because that's my aim. My aim is to talk with people that uh, I find interesting and to see what we can uh, come up with. I'll be not so much a fly on the wall. I won't be a combative, interrogating interviewer. I'll be a person having a chat with somebody or various people that I think uh, are worthwhile listening to. So back to the movie. Well, we lined up and we had to use a vaccination passport to get in. So... That what didn't take long, but you know you'd have to think about that if you're going to see the movie here in Z or elsewhere, you might have to do the same thing. So you you bring your phone or a piece of paper that says this, and you line up, you show that, then you <clears throat> go inside. Now if you've already booked, there's probably no problems. But if you haven't booked, you have to line up then for tickets. So if that's the case, go a bit early. Don't forget to take your mask. So these are precautions that may or may not differ to uh, to yourself wherever you are in the world. So we go in, we sit down in these lovely seats, and there were, there were a number of uh, trailers beforehand. 
I didn't know how many trailers were going to be, but it was quite good because of the stuff they had to go through in the beginning to get in. It meant that there was a bit of time for you to sit down and settle down while the trailers were going on, etc. You grab something to eat or whatever you wanted and you sat down and the movie started. So when the movie started, you know that it's Daniel Craig uh, playing his part as James Bond. And as we know, he's 007. And we know that Ian Fleming wrote X amount of books. And the books have all been made into movies. And now there's a new group of screenwriters and writers who are writing new adventures for 007. The same recurring identities and characters are there. M, the in charge of the intelligence section, MI6 or whatever it is that bonds in. Q, the quartermaster. Um, Q is played by a young chappy. He's about the third rendition of Q. And he's the guy with all the gadgets. Obviously nowadays it's computers and bits and pieces. M is the person in charge. It was um, a lady, Judy Tench. She's gone. It's now Ralph Fiennes or one of those Fiennes uh, chaps. And there are recurring people in the James Bond dossier of characters. One is the CIA guy, the uh, Felix uh, Leiter. I think his name is second name is Leiter. And he pops up um, often enough to be memorable. And you have uh, various other people like Money Penny, who is always infatuated with the Bond character. And the other characters you have, of course, are the four-wheeled characters, namely the vehicles, the cars. The most favourite of all the cars would definitely be the Aston Martin DB5. The story goes that they approached Bentley or somebody that was in the book, you know, like the cars that were in the books way back in the first movie, and they were given the no-no or whatever, so they went to a little small outfit called Aston Martin, and so the legend began. Now, I don't know who owns Aston Martin at the moment, but whoever does, they've got a legacy which, which sort of spells class. Now, if you go back to the movies of Sean Connery, you know, 007, you go back to those times, and you'll see that the car performed so well, it became very iconic, and kids, such as myself, and others obviously were infatuated, to use that term again, uh, with, with the vehicle the pop-up shield, the smoke, the oil and stuff, uh, you know, and the machine guns, and, of course, the ejection seat. There were many things about these vehicles, uh, you know, in the, in the interceding years, the Lotus and so on, so on, so on. I won't go into it because we can discuss that on another podcast. Suffice to say that the um, Aston Martin DB5 pops up again, and it is very, very good that it pops up. It's pretty cool that it pops up and does its thing because um, it's, a, it's a winner from all, the, from all the ways that we look at it. So there's the DB5 and there are a few people that pop up in the beginning that we're not necessarily aware of or, you know, we're not actually introduced to these people. And where I was, uh, in some good seats, I actually found it quite hard to hear. Very loud, which was great but, you know, almost too loud, but some of the uh, dialogue was hard, particularly because I've been probably watching bloody Netflix and and uh, you know, Amazon Prime, et cetera, where, and Disney Plus, et cetera, where subtitles are available. 
So I was actually sort of wanting to hear some, see some subtitles, which is not good because it sort of wrecks the TV experience, doesn't it, or the filmic, filmic experience. So there was occasion to be somewhat confused, which was good, as to who was who in the beginning. Now, we know the, the bad guy. We didn't talk about the bad guy. I didn't talk about the plot per se, but, to, but suffice to say, there were movies like Quantum of Solace and that where, man, I was just bored. I was bored. I was disappointed. I thought, no good. You know, the, the different, the different uh, types of bonds, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, um, Pierce Brosnan, and uh, Daniel Craig, uh, with, of course, the one movie by, um, with uh, George Lazenby, the Australian former car salesman and, um, and male model who I believe is still alive. Sean Connery's passed away, as we know. You know, he was fantastic. Roger Moore's passed away, as we know. He was fantastic too. I actually met Roger Moore, a lovely guy. Charming guy, actually. But he was much older when I, he was a very, you know, very old when I when I met him, but still compass mentis and able to, Able to have a, a you know a good yarn and carry a good conversation, which was which is terrific. So you know, uh, I live in New Zealand. Well, Bond hasn't filmed any stuff. There's no Bond movies that are filmed in New Zealand or even Australia. I would hope that um, the producers get together and bloody make some movies down there because it's a fantastic place. I mean, Mission Impossible, which in some cases those movies, the stunts in that rival easily rival Bond. You know, they were filming in Queenstown. Now, obviously, they filmed in Australia and various other places. So, you know, if, if they can do it, then Bond should be able to conjure up use some of the great scenery in New Zealand and Australia and make some good movies or make one or two uh, good scenarios, uh, you know, good uh, things down here. So the movie itself had parts of it which were reminiscent of the former Bond um, idiosyncrasies or characteristics that made it a little bit more unique than other movies who were in the spy genre. That was the use of some gadgets. It wasn't overplayed. And I think during the Timothy Dalton era, he became, Bond became almost almost too normal. You know, just like a cruel sort of normal sort of guy. But, you know, well, they're all well played. Nothing against the actors, all well played. But uh, Roger Moore, you know, definitely a light-hearted sort of uh, approach. Um, and a lot of the characters and the, the villains were, you know, way out there. But here's the thing about Bond movies. The theme music, the soundtrack is actually always very, very sad. Yeah, that's right, sad. You might have some very, very good um, energised up moments, but there comes a time in every Bond movie, normally about the, you know, the last third or last quarter, where I start dozing off a bit, not because I want to go to sleep or not because I'm feeling tired of being put to sleep, but there's just that part where there's, it's the installation part where Bond is with someone else, normally a girl or some other guy, and um, they're now wrecking the plans of the of the guy who's going to do damage to everyone. And, you know, there's there's sort eh, 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 sirens or whatever going on. That's okay, but it's very Dr. Noish and and that sort of stuff. Every movie's the same. So this one, the formula was there. There was a sentimentality about it. Uh, as the th- you look at all the theme musics, they're, they're all they're all all the theme songs. There's a little bit of sadness about it. And when you 
think of all the actors that have played uh, parts in James Bond movies, the people that played Felix, the people that played Moneypenny, M, Q, and Felix, and other people, you know, they've all, a lot of them have passed away. Some haven't, but a lot have. And when you see their pictures of them and you hear the music and you, you go back to that era where they were making the movies and perhaps some of us were quite young, we looked up and thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Now, some of those movies, like, for instance, Doctor No, 1962, beautiful movie, greatly, you know, beautifully filmed, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, I think Young was the director. I'm, I'm trying to remember all these things, but um, my goodness, how dated is it? You know, the three by mice, etc. Very, very dated. The vehicles, the speed up stuff. However, it wasn't the first book. The first book was Casino Royale. But, you know, for the time, it was pretty good. Uh, JFK, I think, liked the books. And so everybody sort of started to get into Ian Fleming's. And Ian Fleming's life itself, of course, is pretty bloody interesting. But the, the guy that portrayed James Bond at the beginning, Sean Connery, he basically had to get the okay from the, the author, Ian Fleming, himself a, um, an adventurous sort of character who'd been in the war. And remember that these books were written, I think about 1953 or thereabouts, you know, Casino Royale. And they portrayed a, a, you know, a, a, a person and, an, and a, an entity and, and a friction that was definitely post-war. So everyone in the box, etc., had experience of being in the war. And therefore were probably a little bit more crueler, but more cooler, and there was no internet or anything. So if you were good at this or good at that, you got it from experience, not from learning it from a YouTube video. So when Dr. No came out, that was pretty cool. Then you looked at movies like From Russia With Love. Man, you know, that was right onto the Cold War stuff. And then you start to see the, the car yeah, iconic statements like, you know, you surely don't expect me to talk, Mr. Goldfinger. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. That sort of stuff. It goes on and on and on. People will always quote those things from Bond. And then we had the strange sort of, uh, the strange sort of interruption of, I, I, you know, like uh, Diamonds Are Forever, which I found well, there were some very strange parts in that movie which didn't quite gel with me. But Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney uh, making a theme song, um, the introduction of another character, in this case here, uh, Jane Seymour, etc. Very cool, very good. And then in 1983, because of Thunderball having that sort of a strange sort of uh, uh, copyright scenario, they were able to make uh, another version of Thunderball uh, and that's how we got Never Say Never Again. I mean, he had a, an older Bond in his 50s uh, performing his activities again uh, and following Thunderball. Incidentally, I really love the, um, the soundtrack to Thunderball. If you ever get a chance to listen to it on record, and think of the underwater, the underwater scenes as well. Now, all of those people, beautiful people in many cases, beautiful settings, you know, in Europe and the Greek islands or whatever islands they were or, you know, the, the West Indies, and you, you see the beautiful colour, the beautiful uh, characters, and you hear the music, and there's a sadness about it because obviously they're gone, but it represented a time. You can see by the watches, by the devices and... And everything else that, 
that came along, you know, you get little Nelly, you know, you know, these things will mean something to you if you delve into the world of Bond like um, I have from time to time. I'm not a Bond nutter, or maybe I am, I don't know, but I, I don't get into it as much as other people get into it and good, good on them. So with this movie, there were elements of the former Bond movies which I found likeable. And that is not where some guy is an ordinary guy who just happens to be doing an extraordinary job. But this is where you have a guy doing the impossible things and improbable things and getting away with it. However, he's got a mission and the mission may be twofold, but it always involves saving the world. So in order to do so, he requires a very big support base. And the support base is... Okay, that's Q, the quartermaster and his mob. People constantly um, in an R&D situation uh, using, well, developing normal-looking items that are, you know, tools of, you know, pumping people off, etc. You know, quite fascinating. Not so macabre, but, um, you know, that, that sort of post-war sort of era where people could understand that these things had to happen. And, and as we know, there were... All sorts of things going on during that period. So the movie has elements of that. And like a lot of Bond movies, it's, you know, it's, it's quite long. It's over two hours long. And the music, in this case, it's, you know, it's a, a modern singer. Uh, you know, modern singer, that sounds pretty weird, but I think it's Billy Eilish or Eilish or well, Eilish. I'm not too sure how you pronounce the name, but the, the music's okay. It's good. It's, it's reasonably memorable, but once again, kind of sad. And the plot, which I won't go into, we can discuss it later on if you're interested in uh, discussing uh, this particular plot. plot. The plot is good, and unfortunately for me, as I said, I I couldn't hear everything. I don't know why. I I think um, I wasn't the only one. I think it was maybe the theatre I was in. It was just quite loud, and when there was a lot of um, low-frequency talking, it was quite hard to um, actually understand what was being said. So that was, uh, that was a good experience, and I'm, I'm glad I watched it, but I tell you what, if I had heard anything about the movie regarding the plot, any plot twists, regarding the beginning, middle, or end, I would have been kind of pissed off. So this is a movie, if you haven't seen it, do go along, but keep your ears closed off before you do so. And if you have seen it, well, have a think about it. You know, the what I, what I think about it, you know, this two-year... I mean, we've waited years and years for Bond, Bond movies to be released, and it's given, you know, Tom Cruise a great opportunity to, to get Mission Impossible-type movies up, Fast and Furious movies to pop up, and, well, not so much The Rock, because The Rock doesn't, you know, doesn't compete with that type of genre, but The Rock can put out movies and... And put out lots of them. <laughs> I mean, lots. But uh, the Bond movies, for one reason or another, have, have not been able to maintain that cadence. You know, where you're bang, another one, bang, another one. Then the associated uh, toys come out and the merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. It's been a slow, it's been interrupted. You know, the impetus has been lost. And consequently, um, some generations have forgotten about Bond. Yes, you need the wonderful stunts, you need the amazing cars, the great cha- the chases, but everyone's doing them. So you've got to have a, 
a level of service there that epitomizes the potential authentic or you know authenticness um, or authenticity of of the premise is it possible that these people would do that yeah okay maybe it is possible well, how would you stop it? Wouldn't you have a whole lot of guys? No, you'd have a whole lot of special people, men and women, who are able to do these certain things. Okay, we can probably understand that. And to do that, they would require a level of training that's, you know, absurdly hard for anybody. But they'd be independent, but they'd be backed up, really, really well backed up by technology, by teams of people, and they could call in ships and aircraft and all sorts of... Yeah, that's, that's doable. And they would have elements of... Um, Support way beyond any normal person that we would know, even, you know, a normal uh, law enforcement person. So the premise is there. The excitement is there. It's, uh, you know, the characters have been played well. And uh, on another day, we might discuss this. But it's good to see Bond's back. It's a shame that it took so long because Bond will have to um, earn another audience, a new generation of audiences. And for those that are really uh, besotted by CGI, which I I can't really believe nowadays that anybody else would be there swooning with bloody pleasure looking at the CGI effects, computer, gen- you know, computer um, you know, graphics and computer-generated images and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't know many people who would be, you know, more oh, man, it's fantastic, but I, I suppose there are, but... More and more movies are beginning to realise that bullshit baffles brains to a degree, but not all the time. And it's better in, in some cases to, or many cases, to have some stunts looking reasonably realistic without going too far. Quite often, uh, uh, movies just go way into another genre, science fiction or whatever, fantasy of some sort. It's OK, but but Bond, I think you've got to be... Not so much as ordinary as Timothy Dalton's character was written to be. Um, but somewhere along the lines, I think Daniel Craig's done a good job. He's managed to portray a Bond who's able to do certain things uh, whilst ex- maintaining an extraordinary presence where he um, he's able to take on the, the the real bad guys. You look at the Panther Light Gate of a young Sean Connery, born in Scotland in 1930. That movie released in 62 or thereabouts, Dr. No, probably filmed in 1961. So there, so there he is, a 30, 31-year-old Bond, walking with this amazing gait, a handsome bugger, um, probably bald then and various other things, but, you know, the presence of him, wow. Pretty cool dude. And, you know, and became a a well-known actor later on, but the way that Bond came into the, the, uh, I suppose, the, the, the ordinary world of the ordinary person by way of books and then by way of uh, films. There was, I think, a, a, an attempt at a, maybe there's a, one, a, a, a one-off a TV show in America or whatever, I believe, but when those movies came out, they were big deals, big deals. You only live twice. You see the introduction of Bond in Japan. And this is the time when, you know, the diodes were out and Japanese electronics were, you know, becoming, oh, you know, pretty cool. We were beginning to get quite cool. The Rock's grandfather was there fighting Sean Connery. So 
you look at that and you see the amazing amount of turnout that people would come to look at a Bond premiere, a Bond, a Bond premiere, and um, if, if they were filming somewhere, there'd be crowds everywhere. Even when you look at um, you look at the Las Vegas, etc., during uh, Roger Moore's time, and we, we'll we'll go over that later on another time. But when people went to the movies in the sixties, early sixties, it was still dress up time in New Zealand. They had the national anthem, which in this case actually was "God Save the Queen." I didn't have the national anthem per se that we know it now, and people would stand up, and you'd have a uh, you'd have a few trailers, Aussie trailers normally, and they bang into the movie, and out popped this thing. Now remember, movies were a bit different. You have the noir movies from the forties, the, the World War Two era, the very clinical and cleansed movies of the fifties, right up until maybe the late sixties. Bond appeared during that time when movies were squeaky clean. Sort of an anti-hero hero, being released in 62. And also, importantly, Pommy, you know, British. And the remnants of a British empire were uh, depicted in these movies. Of course, they weren't later on because the British empire wasn't that way anymore. Anyway, so that's what we did. We saw today. I enjoyed it. Uh, in many ways, I, I mean, I, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad we went and I'm glad I digested and consumed it, but yeah, okay, those are words for market, isn't it? I, I enjoyed it, and I hope that you did too, and be very, very happy to discuss it, because you go from here, you go, well, when's the next Bond coming out? Can they maintain that impetus? Is it going to be taken over by the Mission Impossible, the Fast and Furious, and those type of movies? Can they maintain the presence, in the top of mind presence, of one man or one lady, whoever 007 is? Um, saving the world time and time again. And who is the next 007? Very intriguing. Well, with that, I thank you for your time. And I do hope you've had a, a uh, you know, an interesting time listening to it. If not, well, you know, wish me luck for next time. You take care and have a great day and we'll, uh, we'll see each other very shortly when I get some more interesting podcasts about various things coming your way. Thanks a lot. You know, it's been a while since um, I myself have really spent enough time on collecting. What is collecting? Well, it's not it, It's not just grabbing a whole lot of things together and saying, uh, this is pretty cool, uh, I think I'm a collector. Now, collecting to me is, well, it's a passion, isn't it? Things have no value or they have immense value. It's, it's the same thing. You can buy something for next to nothing that's worth a lot of money. But to the person selling it, it's worth nothing. But to you, it's worth immeasurable amounts of uh, time, effort and money. And if you come to sell it, you'd have to be persuaded to sell it. And someone comes along and says, look, uh, you bought that for 10 cents, I'll give you 15 cents. But you say, well, no, thanks. Eventually, someone says they give you a million dollars. We say, well, I think I can do without this uh, this item. You sell it for a million dollars. Therefore, that thing's worth a million dollars. And that person that bought it for a million dollars, something happens to that person. And there's no one else in the world that would buy that thing, so it goes back to 15 cents again. A bit like the um, famous scene in No Country for Old Men, when at the end of the day it's just a five cent piece. <laughs> it's just another nickel, right? So let's look at collecting, and this is a subject that I can talk about uh, quite often, and I probably will because it's, uh, it's something that I enjoy. It really depends on what turns you on 
as to as as to what you're going to collect. My advice would be, and I've you know done a lot of things uh, in my time. I ran a collector's shop for a while. It was very interesting, the first of its kind, really. But um, what you look at is this: Do I really, really, really love this particular subject, or am I just doing it to make some some dough? Either way is fine to me. I don't, you know, without dealers, there's, there's, it makes the world harder. So you say to yourself, do I want to be a collector? Now, a collector accrues things and keeps them. In order for that person to keep his or her spouse happy, that person that is the collector now has to get more than one item, but two copies of the same item, to sell one, so that that person can now have some more money to buy some more items or throw some of the funds back into the family kitty because you'd be a very lonely person if you spend every cent that you've got on your own uh, passion. So the reality is once you start collecting, depending on what you're collecting, you'll eventually have to become a kind of a part-time dealer in order to supply your habit of collecting with necessary funds and you might apportion some of the some of the funds from your selling activities to your own family kitty so that uh, it's not so bad imagine being the spouse of a collector you might drive all over the country your poor spouse is waiting there that per that person is you know probably not going to share your love in this particular type of collecting and uh, it's 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 a bit like the golf and fishing people out there. Um, those things are often are often quoted, you know, the effect of golf on a family, the effect of fishing on a family, I'm talking about the spouse. But collecting is probably even worse because the collecting depends on the item and the and you, you might say the genre. This is where people are hurry to go fishing, but you know the tide makes a difference. People are in a hurry to play golf, but you know, they're generally speaking, they're going to play golf in the daytime. They're going to play time, you know, they're going to spend a few hours, three or four hours playing golf. They're going to do it in the time that they've arranged. I'm going to play golf on this Wednesday at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be doing this, it'll be light at half past six. But with collecting, no, I'm afraid that's, that's out of the window. You want to be a real collector, you will travel day and night to go to places and Many, many times you'll be disappointed because the person selling it doesn't want to sell or the person selling it has misrepresented the, the product or the item or the person selling it hasn't a freaking clue what, what, what they've got there and told you that something was absolutely nothing. It could be a fake. It could be a replicant. It could be even a photocopy, whatever it is. The thing about collecting is that when you get the opportunity to find that golden fleece, that very sought-after item, that unbelievable collectible that's going to be there. It's going to be there for a, a tiny, tiny wee point of, of time, a, a couple of clicks on the clock, and then you're gone, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. Someone else has got in there before you. A bit like going to a, a garage sale and seeing a box of records or whatever that you're after, and you're just about to go, then someone jumps in front of you, elbows you out of the way, or his shoulder gets in front, and you see over his shoulder, he's flicking through the records with very, very deft fingers, bang, 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 and starts selecting all the records that you've been searching for, for years, and buys them at 10 cents each. You would freak out as a collector. 
Those are the things that collectors hate. Missing out at the last moment. So wherever they go, their heart starts pumping. Oh, I've got to get there in case someone else gets there first. There's all these things that happen. That's when you know you're a collector. If you couldn't give a toss, you're not a collector. You're an opportunist, maybe, but you're not a collector. A collector could often wake up in the middle of the night. Now, when a collector gets the things that they're collecting, what do they do with them? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? You can collect all sorts of things, and some of them are absolutely impossible to display. Like, say, for instance, you collect movie posters. Say you've got 500 of them. Well, where would you put them? You've got, I don't know how many people that can put 500 27 by 14, uh, or 27 by 41, rather, um, inch posters up, particularly 500 of them on a wall, because it's not going to happen, is it? So there's different ways of, of curating your collection. However, that's not going to be a major point to a collector. A collector is a, a heavy breathing person who must have that. Now, whether you need this or you need that, you will be the master of research. You'll master research. You'll know everything about it that's possible and you'll you'll strive to learn more. You may or may not go to a collector's club or you know, a meeting, gathering. But if you do, you'll find that social media's changed a lot of things, the internet's changed a lot of things. Uh, most of the sort after stuff has been bought, pawn sold or whatever. But there's still fantastic items out there. Now in the old days, and I say the old days say pre-internet, there was a rule that 30 years was, was the magic figure. If you came across somebody who had collected some items and that person decided to get out of that or was sick, you'd know that that person, as a general rule, would have 30 years of collecting already done. So if it's, say, 1980, you'd have stuff going back to 1950, etc. With the advent of plastic, uh, plastic huge leaded uh, rubbishments and uh, the, the internet, people have been... Uh, throwing away things and they've been selling things for overseas dealers and a lot of the real good stuff is gone now this will be a subject that i'll talk about often and i'll talk about different types of collecting and what you can collect or what you shouldn't collect or what i can only advise you from what i know which is pretty extensive knowledge i must admit but the thing is you will know what you like to collect and you will you will collect it for the you know for the, for the right reasons because you love it and you know because you like it if you want to make a living out of it, then become a collector dealer or become a dealer of collectibles. Well, that's an interesting board game, and I can certainly help you there as well. The most important thing is knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Because before I go, and this is going to be a quick one, I want to whet your appetite now. I want you to get intrigued. What's this bloody bugger going to be saying next? I want you to think like that. Because I can tell you lots of things. I can also share with you different things from other people. I can interview people, and you know, maybe we'll talk about collecting. Because collecting is something that Yes, I know a lot about, and it's, it's a very strange world because not everyone wants to open up with knowledge. Knowledge is power, and power is something that they want to give away because the thing that you look at every day that's just nondescript and you know, it's nothing might be the very thing that 20 collectors worldwide have been searching for, but they do not know it exists, and they don't know where it is, if it does exist. And you see it every day, but you don't know what it is. You just think it's whatever it is. But we'll look at the different types of collecting from ephemera, which is, you know, pieces of paper and that sort of memorabilia, to sporting items, to um, harder items, to you know, things that don't live or things that don't last long, that they deteriorate. Things that were never meant to be collected, that's probably the majority of real collectors. 
real collectibles were never meant to be collected per se. Uh, talk about forced editions, talk about books, records, you know, all sorts of things. We'll have a good chat. The three things I want you to remember, and I'll push this out to four, are this. Rarity. Condition. Desirability. And number four, quite important, one that I personally uh, have uh, included, trends and fads. What's really popular today may not be the, may not be popular next week or, the, or next year because of a variety of reasons. I mean, there are Elvis collectors out there, that, but they're probably not as many as there used to be. But I could use different examples. Phone cards, various, I mean, it could go on and on and on. But rarity, uh, rarity, R-A-R-I-T-Y, rarity. You know, it's the, the thing has to be rare. And remember, we're now getting into NFTs, which is another type of collectible. Definitely rarity or uniqueness is, is a prerequisite for a, an NFT, a non-fungible um, token. But yes, let's look at rarity. The thing has to be rare, otherwise it's, it's everywhere. Condition. Well, obviously, if you get in the best condition possible, that would be very, very good. Some things... Well, you're just going to have to take the fact that there, there's not many left and they would have been used for a particular purpose and the condition would not be good. So, And there was different reasons for this. I mean, if you ask me what I like, a mint condition uh, Beatles uh, poster for a concert from 1964 or would like a used one, I would probably say I want a used one. But that's me. I would be very suspicious of a brand new looking um, poster that had never been touched. I would prefer the ripped sellotape and, and you know, um, used used one. Like if you have toys, you have play play worn or play used. Now with a poster, if a poster was actually used to uh, advertise a Beatles concert and a well-known concert somewhere, and someone ripped it off the wall wherever it was and kept it, to me that's really great memorability. But a brand new one, I would say, well, it was never used. Was it? When was it? When was it issued? Was, is it a reissue? Was it actually made? Is it from circa 64? Was it made for the purpose? Was it displayed and perfectly removed without a, a blemish or touch? Or was it made 10 years later? Was it reprinted, reissued or reprinted 10 years later to satisfy the collecting need? Whereas the, the rip one with this and that. So you see the difference with someone such as myself. When I'm looking at memorabilia per se, not as opposed to you know mint condition uh, of, of everything, I would say, well, this was a real genuine poster, and I would do as much research as possible, get a history behind it, what they call a provenance. But we'll talk about that later on. So condition very important, but not always does it have to be in perfect mint condition because that spells eh, 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 flags, warnings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Star Wars posters, we can go on and on and on. But the next one is desirability. That's pretty obvious. Desirability. How desirable is it? In other words, do people want it? Is it, is it something that people want? Is it a, like a, a very early Superman comic? Yeah, I think people want that. I think they want that still. So people know who Superman is. They people know who Batman is. Now we're talking about Marvel stuff, okay? We won't get into Marvel right now, but if you look at some of the early stuff, some, say, look in 
introduction of different people. So when you've got your Spider-Man, you've got Ford, everybody. Yes, those are desirable. Even Star Wars, even though it's you know from 1977, still desirable. You've got various aspects. You know the the three movies, Bang Bang Bang, and then various other ones. You look at those and you say to yourself, well, could possibly is it possible that people still might? Well, of course they do. So that's very desirable. Um, so desirability, you can understand that. You can you can sense it, feel it. That that's desirable. Something very obscure would be desirable, but only to a very small amount of people. So the market for something that's very, very, very desirable, a desirable means that it's going to be harder to get because people will be after it and you're going to have to pay for it. The worst thing most of us could ever imagine is say you're hunting for things for 30 years, 20 years, 5 years, 2 years. You walk into a shop and every single thing you've ever been wanting to buy was there on the shelf. $2, $10, $15. You could buy the whole lot. Your whole reason for getting up in the morning, apart from your family life and work and job, etc., is now gone out the window because the things that you thought you had to hunt for, find and research to collect is all sitting there. It's no longer the the thing at the end of the rainbow. It's it's just something that anybody could walk in and go, oh, I might as well start collecting this. I'll buy the whole lot. So... Desirability is a very, very uh, multifaceted coin, sides of coin and two-edged sword. You want it to be desirable, but at the same time, you want it to be have that rarity, that rarity factor. So it's highly desirable, but not easily found. And the condition should be the best condition you can get. However, because of the fact that it's authentic, it may not be the best condition, but there are pros and cons to that. And the last one, of course, as I mentioned, Trends and fads. Well, what's really popular today may not be popular in 10 years' time. Might not even be popular last week, but for one reason or another it becomes that. So I hope you enjoyed our little foray, little sort of toe in the water regarding collecting. Uh, we'll talk about collecting later on. I just thought I'd do this very, very quickly right now. Wherever you are, hope you have a great day and hope you have a great time and put your thinking caps on. Let's do some good collecting. And... Uh, Let's discuss the great fives that we've had. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Good morning. I say good morning because it is uh, morning here in Auckland. It is a Thursday. It's overcast. Well, in fact, it's raining. I'm going for a quick walk around the block. We're in level three lockdown, which is uh, a lot better than level four lockdown but it still has a lot of restrictions. Things have changed a lot, as it is, or as it has for everybody. For those who have, you know, who have had uh, relatives, friends pass away from this terrible disease, my condolences and, and best wishes for you. Um, these things are terribly sad. In any way, you know, we we do what we can do, and things have changed forever. I don't believe anybody has the same life that they had pre-COVID, and I would suggest that for many, this life-changing turn of events. Uh, has ultimately and utterly dictated 
the way that they can carry out all sorts of activities, family, friends, and obviously jobs. Now, family comes first for obvious reasons, but if you've, you've got a job that is not online, then you may be hard pressed during these times. If you've got a job that can be done at home, uh, good on you. There are certainly factors that are good and bad with working at home, as, as we all know. They've always been there, but you know, some people are zoomed out. I'm not because I I don't have that many Zoom meetings, believe it or not. But some people have four or five a day, and they're zonked. Not because of the program, just because I I think that you know, this people could be quite busy. And because you have a lot of people on a meeting, well, that means that there is no sort of escaping the fact that you're either there or you're not there. So for many people, like a, like a retailer, this is a game changer. If your mall or your shopping strip or your standalone retail customer-facing shop frontage is not able to be opened, then you have to go online. And when you're online, you have to get customers to know that you're there. So if they can find you and get their attention, then they can engage with you. So probably it's never been more important to try and get with the program. Your tick Twitter, you know, Twitters and your Facebooks and your even the TikToks and various other programs, I'm sure there's many out there that people tend to go to. Now, when you go into these programs, you'll see all sorts of things. And I think things are changing too. Some, some social media platforms are, are, getting, are getting quite heavy on you know, the liberal use of, uh, of uh, swearing, etc., etc. Definitely you want to watch your P's and Q's. You don't want to be saying something too weird because, you know, you might be cooked off. Um, all those sort of things are happening as we speak and evolving into a type of um, decorum of culture, if you like. But when I look at the enormity of the changes, the big effects, obviously, on those who have had a relative or friend pass away, um, you know, it must be devastating. Um, and all the best to you as I, as I said and for those who can't pay the rent which is extraordinary imagine being in a lockdown situation and you still have to pay rent you know I mean that's you know I feel sorry for you guys how would you do it you know your shop or whatever it is you got tonight open so <clears throat> so the thing is <clears throat> but you have to embrace the tools that are out there yes you can survive and yes, it can flourish, but not everyone can survive and not everyone can flourish. The reason being is that these bloody tools are not that easy to, to work if you've got a mindset that says they're not easy to work. So first thing is, change the mindset for those of you who have that problem. Say, okay, I'm willing to give it a go. This is a lifeline. Now, whatever that lifeline is, let's just say it's digitizing your, uh, your activities, even more so, even more so than you had before. Before you might have had a website. Well, make that website a selling website. Um, how to drive traffic to it? Well, you can sell on all different ways. You can sell on your own website. 
have an e-commerce platform somewhere you can have shopify sell on facebook um, i'm sure you can you know do many things on youtube there's all sorts of things you can do you have to embrace those you have to learn about them um 20th july 1969 sea of, sea of tranquility 0258 plus 15 seconds of gmt or whatever it was early in the morning gmt neil armstrong set foot on the moon that's one's most helpful man one giant leap for mankind that day 1969 there's more power in the smartphone that you have in your hand right now than the power of the computers that took man to the moon unbelievable the smartphone's not a phone it's, it happens to be a computer a control center a, a device that accesses untold untold pages of information etc 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 and probably last it's a phone now if your customers are on phones which i guarantee they are you want to be on that phone you want to be on their phone so they can buy stuff from you so how do you get on their phone well you have to mobilize whatever you've got a website or presumably website or something similar but you have to be on the you have to be where the customers are so if your customers are on tiktok go to tiktok if they're on youtube go to youtube if someone on youtube someone on facebook someone on twitter someone on tiktok someone on pinterest go on all of them bit here bit there email marketing well hell how do you get through there well you can give it a go get something free i don't know the ones there's mailchimp there's various other ones that give it a go so you've got all these little pies with your finger in irons in the fire you've got to see which one works for you you've got to get the tension before the engagement what 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 sort of things you have to know about attention same rule as before except even more harder grab people's attention uh, do a bit of advertising or make up some quirky stuff on facebook go facebook live do facebook lives hey you've got two people watching you and that's great because that means you know you can sort of make a few mistakes and those two aren't going to be that worried about it and if one leaves you've got 50 percent of your audience gone however that's cool do it um youtube yeah i think there's there's a lot of room for youtube videos and i mean there's so many people out there there's murray smith queen of facebook uh, go on to hers uh there's of course gary v gary vaynerchuk for all sorts of business um, ideas and etc 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 there's um shelly palmer for all the tech stuff there's, there's many many people out there often their their stuff is free you can buy books shelly farmer's a good book on uh, on crypto uh, you want to learn about nfts non-fungible tokens etc it's not easy to learn you know we okay you want to put some nfts on open sea great you've got metamask well how do you do that well me saying you can do it is one thing but actually learning how to do it and do it properly and safely is another so start learning there's all sorts of things you can do you can make your own w website use a website builder works myspace um, works uh, squarespace etc they're all out there here in new zealand there's one called zild 
Zealand, I think it's called. They make websites. Um, there's other programs out there and programs that are coming shortly that enable small businesses, which are the majority of businesses, to carry on their businesses uh, using a phone or a computer. So they've got access to all information. They've got access to optimised information that's flowing from materials and cash. Of course, that's ERP, uh, Enterprise Resource Planning. Probably pretty big, but there are versions out there which are tailored for the the um, SMBs, the small to medium businesses, of which there's probably 97% of all the businesses here, and certainly uh, a similar number in Australia. So you're looking at all these different things. A lot of learning to be done. Is it important? Damn right it is. It's not a case of being smart-ass or a Luddite. It's a case of, hey, these are tools. There's a toolbox over there, there's a hammer, there's a saw of sorts. It's a hacksaw. No blade in it though. So you have to get a hacksaw blade. The screwdrivers, chisels, um, vice grips, pliers, etc. There's a ratchet set, there's socket sets and all sorts of things. Same thing applies with what I've been talking about. They are nothing but tools. You are the tradesperson. Find out what you can do. Find out what you need to get these things done. Write a list. Get a pen and a paper. Of course, the biggest bloody problem is passwords. Oh my God, you have millions of bloody passwords. Well, there's ways of getting around that. I do believe you can have your password stored for you. Um, I can't comment on that because I'm not that familiar with it. I'm a pen and paper jockey when it comes to writing down passwords. Consequently, I can't find the buggers half the time, like most people. But um, certainly, put the hours in, maybe an hour a day to start off with. Where do you learn? Well, I've told you some names. If you follow one of them, Mari Smith, Gary Vaynerchuk, Shelley Palmer. Oh, there's many of them. I mean, these ones that I follow. And follow quite often, I must admit, because I find them to be very knowledgeable and very passionate, but very uh, compassionate as well. They know that most of us don't have the knowledge that these guys do, so some of them have paid versions of themselves. Others don't. Um, however, how would you like to build your own program up or your own profile up to such an extent where you can sell things, whatever those things are, services or products, morning, where you can sell those products or services simply because you've got a ready, attentive, morning, about to engage audience. Yeah, so I think that's what you need to do. Do some homework, enjoy yourself, that's the main thing. Enjoy learning all this stuff. Doesn't matter how old you are, Young, younger people who've been brought up with the internet should find it a lot easier. In fact, could well be coding right now. Um, I would look at NFTs as well. Look up NFTs, November Foxtrot Tango, non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens are the more unique um, items, not easily replicated or duplicated. 
or something of equal value, value fungible items uh, often quoted as the dollar. I've got a dollar, you've got a dollar, it's got a different serial number, but they're still dollars, aren't they? They can be exchanged with one another, so they have the same value. Non-fungible tokens, artwork, uh, various other things, they're different. They are not completely replicatable or repl um, duplicated out of something of equal value. They are unique to themselves. Uh, which is a strange way of calling it, but NFTs, very popular, and still early days. So get in with that, NFTs. YouTube, yeah, start up a YouTube channel. Start ranting and raving, whatever you want to do, but you'll find a voice. You'll find something that you can do. Now, do something that turns you on. That's my opinion. If you're interested in bloody uh, this or that, do this or that. Talk about something you're familiar with and probably even good at. People will find you and they'll say, this is a pretty interesting person, let me follow that person. Now, how do they find you is the big thing. Well, I said people will find you only if you want to be found. So you use your Facebooks and your Twitters and your TikToks, etc. to start an emailing, start um, pointing other people and anybody fortunate or unfortunate enough to be listening to you um, at that particular place you want to go to. So the destination, you might have five destinations. All roads lead to Rome. So learn it. And I don't think there's anybody that knows it all. Maybe those people I mentioned. They seem to know it all. Some of them are quite well off. Others, I don't know. Am I well off? Yeah, I am. I'm really well off. Personally-wise, money-wise, hey, uh, not so much. Uh, will I get there? Well, if that's my aim, I could get there, but not at the cost of wearing down what's really valuable to me. Not at all. So what I want to do is I want to have balance. In this ever-changing world, what have I got to sell? I've got potentially services, yeah, maybe products yeah I've got some can I make some can I can I make an NFT yeah I probably could would I know it's valuable no I probably wouldn't know it's valuable I've got to find out maybe it's trial and error maybe it's just luck of the draw whatever it is I'll give it a go uh, to a degree but I'll do the seven P's I'll do the seven P's prior preparation and planning Prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, very good. Now, I heard a person on the radio this morning before 7 o'clock talking 90 to the dozen. My goodness, the person was talking fast. But it was it was reasonably coherent. The, the actual banter was, yeah, was all right. But, you know, be surprised how um, coherent someone speaking fast can be. And other people speaking fast, you know, you haven't really got much hope of listening to them so don't don't talk about things you're not interested in that come out in your voice talk about things that are interesting to you if you want to do metal detecting do something about learning about metal detecting how about your journey into nfts what the flipping hell's bloody cryptocurrency 
it seems to be a dangerous world yes well if you want to enter that world why don't you film yourself saying hey i'm about to go into this world i don't know if it's good or bad come with me on my wee journey let's find out about it together that sort of stuff i quite like and if the production values of your video aren't very good well it doesn't matter does it does it really matter if you're perfectly lit well, i don't think so it helps maybe when you get perfectly lit people think shit this guy's this person must be rich now must know what they're talking about therefore i better start listening so there's all those things that seemingly indications of success or attainment of knowledge expertise to me they're irrelevant you can do just as much on a crappy bloody um, device as you can on a beautiful device if the people are looking like you and they want to hear what you're talking about so it may not be fantastic for strangers who know nothing about you but to get that loyal audience and let me know how you get on this is a kind of a funny podcast because I only come on every so often and I'd like to interview some people what say I interviewed myself wouldn't it be weird good morning tell us a bit about yourself John. well I'd rather not you know I'm quite a boring person or maybe I'm not I don't know but I don't really like talking about myself come on you can imagine that there was a thing I saw the other day something about somebody who's often guilty about talking this person's guilty talking to themselves but then they both laughed I mean that was quite funny I enjoyed that so when you're interviewing with somebody chatting you can go Joe Rogan like which is more of a chat we can go the other way interrogative type sort of um, interviewing hard talk type sort of scenario well it's okay but you know bit harsh bit hard um, now I'm walking with a dog on a leash and walking down opposite us coming down completely confident as a cat cat couldn't care less quite amazing um, maybe we should all be a cat one day eh? couldn't care less about what other people think anyway let's get into this more often I'll do some interviews as I said before I've got some more experiments to do I've met some interesting people and um, you'd be surprised I met people in their 60s uh, who were very very knowledgeable about tech stuff very knowledgeable interesting um, I've been doing some film uh, training things webinars seminars I go every so often very very interesting uh, because I do want to make some documentaries and some films when I don't know because I'm kind of busy but I will I will do it I'm really interested in it and I think you know instead of complaining go and do it if you don't like a commercial fair enough you don't have to buy the uh, thing that they're selling but if you don't like a commercial because the commercial actually stinks why don't you make your own up see if you can make a commercial with no no budget yeah that would be see if you can make a 30 second movie or 10 second movie now those are sort of things that I find really interesting because the principles are the same beginning middle and end some sort of story there that you know that's cool memorable acting acting is good 
Well, acting's not good. Or maybe there's sound, maybe there's no sound, maybe there's no music. Imagine that. Maybe there's no, there's no video. Maybe it's just bloody utter silence and then a match is lit. Or who knows? There's all sorts of things you can do to get message across. But can you make an engaging movie for two hours? Man, that's hard, isn't it? Imagine the days of film. The amount of people. And when you see these movies nowadays in the theatre and you happen to hang around towards the end of it because you think there might be a little tidbit at the end of the credits and the credits keep rolling on for what seems like 10 minutes. The hundreds, if not thousands of people working behind the scenes. My goodness. I could never make a movie like that because I wouldn't be interested. It's too much. But then again, the great movies, the ones that have, you know, longevity, they, they have longevity for many reasons. So, you know, you can always write a script, but be creative. If you're creative enough to be listened to this, which I, I'm grateful if you are, you think of what you can do to be even more creative. You can do it. No one's boring. I don't believe anyone's boring. Everyone is good at something. Man, I wish I could sing. Oh, I really do. I wish I could sing. Man, I'd be so happy, but I can't. So, you know, I can give it a go. But, ooh, it's pretty painful. But I'm allegedly good at other things. Everyone can do something really good. The best thing is to do things that you really, really like and enjoy. Things that turn you on. Things that you're passionate about. You actually become an expert, I believe, at whatever those things are that you, you, you're, you're good at. You know, people out there, they want to know more about what you know, which is really good. Morning. No problems. And um, under lockdown three, or definitely four, but certainly lockdown three, I tried to provide some form of, you know, decorum myself by allowing people to walk down the footpath that I am by moving to the side. Well, wherever you are, I do hope you're safe and well. And let's get into some more things. And you uh, judge me by my progress. If I'm still talking the same crap week after week or month after month, then that's not very good of me, is it? I have to. Yeah, put my money where my mouth is. Well, not so much that, but I have to do some things, get some things going. So here we are. Um, I'm venturing into some places where there are some people, and I will sign off now. There's another cat over there, bushy-tailed one, completely confident around humans. It's incredible. Huh. Well, coming up to 24 and a half minutes, so this is me, Darren, speaking to you wherever you are, and I really, really hope you are safe and well and enjoy yourself good morning wherever you are take care and we'll hear from you and see you and talk to you later on bye-bye well good afternoon it's a lovely well it's not a lovely but it's you know it is a sunday uh the last day of october in a, a, a very extraordinary year to uh, 2021 tomorrow is the first of november however this morning, the All Blacks played Wales, and there was a bit of a prankster on the field, so there's, you know, there's a lot of conversations for people to talk about. But what I'd like to just go over is what we plan to do, what I plan to do, uh, in the coming, woohoo! There's some Halloween people over there, hello! Uh, what I plan to do in the next, um, next few days, and on a regular basis. So we're gearing up to basically have lots of podcasts, so kind of like a 
kind of like a radio show. Uh, some will, will have a video, some won't have video. So those audios will be kind of like a kind of like an unusual radio station with a bit of this and a bit of that. And we'll sort of add it, you know, uh, here and there to make it a bit more consumable, a bit more interesting. So there may not be any theme music in the beginning. There might be some later on of a, of a duration that's not going to annoy you or piss you off too much. And I'll be interviewing or having chats with more than interviewing a series of people on a regular basis every week. I might start off with one or two in one week, and then the same two will be the next week, but there'll be another two or three, so it'll be four, and and so on and so on, until we have about 10 or 12 or more interesting people each week that I'll be having a chat with. The the chats will probably be around about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20, not too long, and they won't be all about business, so don't worry about that. Some will be about business, but most will be about things that I find interesting. Now, that could be any of the subjects that I've uh, spoken about, and it might be about business, but seriously, do we want to hear people saying the same stuff? Don't give up, you know, find a hole in the market. Well, we, we know all that. And for people who've got a lot of money or they've got, a, they've got an investor left, right and centre, well, they're completely different from the starving guy who's out there who doesn't want to reel too much because he wants to have an edge somewhere so he can only say so much. So, yeah, the business thing's is okay, but it's been done uh, and overdone and triple overdone and quadruple overdone. I mean, I see guys have been interviewing people, thousands of them, well, hundreds of them. These aren't the Gary V's or the Joe Rogans. These are guys talking about whatever. And some of them are okay, but to me, I don't want to join the crowd of talking to various business people all the time. I'd like to speak to some, but those with an edge. And obviously, if you're a business person and I you know, want to get hold of you, you, you may not want to talk to me, or you might want to. And it might be about business or it might be about something else. We could all talk about social media. Anyone can talk about social media nowadays. We can all talk about any subject, but the most important thing that I feel is really that's really cool is when someone talks about something that they're really into. When someone digs it with a passion, those are the buggers I want to talk to. It doesn't matter whether you're doing this or doing that. If you dig it, you like it, you're passionate about it, and you're good at it, and this sort of um, a bit of a subject that kind of turns me on and, you know, the people that I know or don't know, they feel the same. I love to see a passionate band, even the playing crap music. I'd rather see that than really good music played slickly by dispassionate people. The same thing applies with, I believe, podcasting, radios, etc. Find those bloody interesting buggers who are really, really cool at what they do, whether it be this, whether it be that, but not necessarily businessmen, but people who have a pastime, or it might even be their own business, that is something that really turns them on and, and it might affect all of us, though we didn't know that that person was doing this and now we think, shit, that, that person's actually doing something that's going to affect me in a good way. If, or it might be something that you say, shit, I never knew that. From now on, I'm going to take more heed of this particular activity and I'm, you know, I'm going to feel a bit more sympathetic to the people that do that. So anyway, that's it for today. Just a very quick thing to let you know that very shortly it's going to be what I hope to be an interesting, an interesting week 
So a few days per week, uh, you'll hear these 15-minute or thereabouts podcasts, radio shows, and some of them are videos on certain things that I find interesting. Okay, thank you very much for, uh, for listening. Uh, I must remember to say that. And uh, I don't know what radio station it is, but whatever it is, is uh, you know. Uh, I remember listening many, many years ago uh, in Los Angeles. And it went like this. The, the station was KJLH, and, and it was, uh, this is KJLH. Now, that's kindness, joy, love, and happiness. And whatever the frequency was, and, and uh, this guy said, you know, this is the greatest radio station in the world. Sit back and watch with your ears, which I found was great. And he says, your colors for today in wild and purple. And this is Leroy doing it till 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. Why? Because it's memorable. There was a dude there doing something that was, you know, pretty cool for its day. It's an urban station now. Um, you can listen to any station now. But then you had to be in the frequency of um, Compton or wherever it was. I think Steve Wonder owns that song, that uh, station now. But the thing is, sometimes you hear someone on the radio, man, that guy's got it, or that lady's got it, or whatever. So I can't promise that I can be that sort of person. Probably not. But what I can be is an interested bastard talking to other people that that person, me, finds those people interesting. And I hope you find them interesting too. But if not, hey, tomorrow's another day. Check it out the next day. Wherever you are, take care. Have a wonderful time. Stay safe. And um, all the best to you. Bye.